brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Coming at you from Boulder, Colorado. I am here today to present episode 170 with Mary Hyatt, who is on a quest to feel alive and to live a life full of gratitude, joy, authenticity, and abundance in body, mind, and soul. Mary believes that every person has the ability to create the life that they love. She lives in the heart of Nashville, and her days are spent juggling the roles of holistic lifestyle advocate as a presidential diamond wellness advocate with doTERRA essential oils and personal life and business coach. Mary helps her clients wake up, find their voice, and become fully alive. You can join Mary every single Wednesday at 1 p.m. CST on her Facebook Live show where she dives into raw topics and helps her audience fall back in love with themselves and believe in their potential. I was actually on that Facebook Live show. It was wonderful, and that was my first introduction to Mary's authenticity and abundance mindset and her work in the world. And I said, you have to come on the show because we t today we talk all about body image. We talk about getting into your body, back into movement. And if you've been listening to the show for, I don't know, the past four years, you know, that has been a very hot topic that we've taken a break from on the show. But it's always really positive to be reminded of this very important thing. Very, very important to come back into your body to feel good. And I love having conversations around this so that people can understand, yes, one day you will come into your body and enjoy the movement if you're not there now. But listening to the stories of people who have done it and who succeed in it, maybe you can just get some nuggets of wisdom on how you can come back home to your body in terms of movement. Before we head on over, here's the review of the week. This comes from LNSU78. Titled episode 156 with five stars. Today, I listened to three different intuitive eating podcasts by three different hosts. Maddie, yours was the best. I was feeling very down after going to my annual physical. My doctor asked me why I gained 10 pounds since last year. This triggered binge anorexia thoughts immediately. Looking for some comfort, I played some podcasts I had downloaded but not yet played. Your podcast episodes are always amazing, but this one in particular was there for me when I needed it the most. On another note, seeing the success you've made in your life has inspired two side hustles that I began in February this year. Thank you for being an all-around amazing woman and virtual mentor. Stay you, your inspired listener, LNSU78. Oh, wow. I love this. This is this is my first time to read this review, actually. And I'm just like, I'm not blushing over here, but I'm just filled with so much joy to be able to read that, both in that I had helped you with this experience at the physical with the doctor. I absolutely understand. I would have the same type of mindset. And I really acknowledge you for turning to something that was uplifting to help you get out of that. So instead of listening to that voice that said, yeah, you gained 10 pounds, you should go do this, blah, blah, blah. You listen to the voice that said, you're worthy, you're loved just as you are. And you fueled yourself and you reminded yourself by doing something positive, by listening to a healthy podcast and then doing two side hustles. Amazing. I'm inspired by you. 
Thank you so much for that review. I am delighted every single time I read one of these reviews, you guys rock. Today, I don't really have any announcements. Um, you know how it goes. If you would like to get some new healthy skincare and you do not want to be putting things on your skin and your body that could be causing infertility, reproductive issues, cancer, that just have parabens and unhealthy ingredients that are not regulated at all on your skin anymore, then you can check out my Beauty Counter website, which has 1,500 different chemicals removed. Everything is tested rigorously, and it goes through an extreme process to make sure that every single thing you put on your skin and your body is chemical-free and healthy. So if you'd like to check out that out, beautycounter.com slash Madeline Moon. If you would like to get a free audiobook, maybe one of the books that we mentioned in today's episode of the podcast, you can go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings, get a free book and a 30-day trial of Audible. If you want to take your coaching experience to the next level, if you've never had a coach before and you want to create a business or you want to dive deeper into your personal life, you can go to maddiemoon.com slash coaching, read testimonials, apply to speak with me, and we will get the ball rolling on that to see if you may be a good fit for my coaching practice. All right, I think it's time to head on over to this episode of the podcast. You guys, I hope you enjoy it. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie Moon. And here we are with another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. And we are here with Miss Mary Hyatt, who I had the absolute pleasure to meet fairly recently. We did a Facebook Live interview and it was magical and wonderful. And I knew that I just had to have her on my podcast because she's up to some amazing things in the world, including traveling and helping women really come into their bodies, which is a huge topic on this show. And I love how she teaches this very important message. So here we are. Welcome to the show, Miss Mary. Girl, thank you. I'm seriously excited to be on this podcast because I was just looking through all your episodes today and obviously listen to all of them. And I'm like, I feel like we are just, you know, sisters from another life. Everything that we talk about collectively is the same. So I just feel like, oh, this is this is one of those podcasts I know is going to be great. And I'm just excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. I love everything you're doing. Like I said, when I hopped on your Facebook Live, I was like, wow, this girl has like really taken this passion seriously but not like too seriously where you can't be goofy but like you're you are serious about what you do and you really want to make a difference and I I just was very impressed with how you 
organize everything, how you do your message, but how you allow so much room for the flow and the personality to shine. And so, yeah, like you said, I feel like we are definitely sisters in, in some past life or another. We were very close, I am sure. Totally. And, you know, it's funny when you are online and you have your business online where you're trying to communicate to people while you're sitting alone in your home, you know, and it's like, okay, how can I make this authentic and yet also beautiful and excellent? And it's, it's that, it's that balance, that masculine feminine balance, which I know you love to talk about, but yeah, thanks for that. That's a great compliment. <laughs> you're so welcome. And absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love the, the intuition that can shine forth through the discipline, the feminine, the masculine, they, they work together in so many different ways. So yes. I would love for you to share with us, with my audience and me, some of your background and your history of how you got into the work that you're doing today. Maybe some of the struggles and the breakthroughs. Yeah. So let's rewind probably, I don't know, six years ago. And I feel like I was completely unrecognizable from the person that I am today. I was struggling with honestly a ton of anxiety and depression, like debilitating. I mean, I was in bed all day, every day. It felt like I would get up and I would eat and then I would go back to sleep and then I would get up and eat and go back to sleep. And I felt like I was coping through food and coping through sleeping because I was just miserable. I had lost a sense of who I was and I had gained a lot of weight for my body and felt like that, that, that moment where you look in the mirror and you think, God, who, who is that person that I'm looking at? Like that is not even me. And I was at the place where I felt honestly desperate. I had lost a sense of who I was, my identity, my purpose, and really felt like I was surviving. And I was, it was young and I was in my twenties. I was, I'm 31 now. So six years ago, what is that? Like 20, 25. <laughs> and I had been married for about five years. I got married really, really young and it ended up, I'm divorced now, but ended up being a marriage that I just felt so trapped in. And I didn't know how to get out. It was like, I had to become somebody who I wasn't in order to survive in that marriage. And that process of being somebody or not, it was like the real me got buried deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until my real life was nothing like I imagined it would be. There was zero happiness, zero joy, all that depression, all that anxiety. I got physically very sick. I had endometriosis and was in a lot of physical pain and had a ton of fatigue. And I knew, I knew somewhere inside of me, like that was not all there was to life. I knew that I was made for something greater, but I didn't know how to get there. And for me, there was kind of an awakening moment, honestly, where I had that, that mirror moment where I looked at myself and I'm like, who the hell is this girl? Like what happened to the girl that was full of life and full of passion and outgoing and, um, able to take risks and do all these different things. Where, what happened? Where did she go? And it was right after that moment where I feel like I finally woke up that I went on Amazon and Maddie, I'm sure you can like totally relate to this where you just go on Amazon and binge buy like 50 books <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is great. I'm going to get all these different books, figure out who I am. There were all these self-discovery books, got them delivered to my house, Amazon prime and really took myself through self-discovery school and started learning and reading about 
limiting beliefs and authenticity and vulnerability and all of those topics honestly scared the shit out of me. It was like, okay, how in the world can anybody be authentic? How can anybody be vulnerable? That was the, that was such a crazy thought to me to actually show up as your real self and maybe that would be loved and maybe that could be accepted and maybe you could actually live a life where you were happy and you had purpose and meaning and you weren't always trying to eat your way through your emotions or drink your way through your emotions or sleep your way through your emotions. I mean, that was so far from where I was. And yet I felt like there was such truth to that. I was so drawn to it. And little by little, I started to come back online. I started to really wake up and started to deal with everything that I had been bearing for, for many, many years. And obviously there's a, a whole lot more to the story, but that's kind of the fast version of how the journey began to come into my true, my true self and back into my body. Oh yeah. So good. Can we back up to the marriage and how you said you felt trapped? What were some of the things that stood out as in you that you felt were the most trapped? Like you couldn't speak your mind or you felt like, um, just awkward around this person. Like what were the places that felt the most not aligned, unaligned? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were several. I mean, I think probably the overarching theme was a lack of intimacy. Mm. And I felt like I, you know, we talked a lot. I, I would say we were good friends. You know, we had great communication as far as what was going on in our day and things like that. But when it came to issues of the heart, when it came to things that I was wrestling with, and you know, in your 20s, you're you're absolutely trying to figure out who you are and what's going on and yeah. doing that in the context of a marriage, he was much older than I was. He had kind of already gone through that process. I felt like I had to have it all figured out already. I had to, I had to be an adult, be a married woman, be a wife, and act like I knew what was going on, even though I was completely clueless. So I felt like I wasn't able to be outgoing. I wasn't able to really pursue my passions. I mean, it was very much in survival mode, but that lack of intimacy showed up in the way we communicated about what we really wanted. I stopped having preferences. I stopped using my voice. I stopped having opinions about everything. And I became this very passive kind of people pleasing person. And I'm a middle child. So there's part of that that, you know, I'm used to doing a role that I'm used to playing, but it was exaggerated within that marriage. And I kept just sort of going along with the program, not realizing that I also had a vote in what was happening. And I also had a responsibility in how my life was going to turn out. And I just sort of, you know, said, forget it. I, I don't have a voice. I don't have that, that choice. And so I'm just going to go along with the program. And not that it was even, you know, abusive or horrible or anything like that. It was just, there was zero boundaries. And I, I now realize that I was so scared and I felt so dumb. I felt so stupid. I felt so inadequate in order to handle adult life that I sort of just passed all that responsibility on to him. And, you know, nobody else can live your life for you. And so what happens in the process is you stop living your own life, which is what I did. And then that trickled over into our, our sex life and lack of intimacy there. And then I was gaining all this weight um, as protection and as a way to, to cope with what was going on. And so it got to the point where I didn't want anybody to see me naked, including him, including my friends or sisters, even changing. It was like I was in hyper hiding 
mode and just shut down completely and went into survival mode. And I didn't want to connect physically. I didn't want to connect emotionally. And I think anytime you don't know your true self or you're not connected with your true self, you really can't intimately connect with another human being. And so I was experiencing that full force inside my marriage. That's absolutely true. I love the last thing you just said. So did you, did you come to a place where you realized that you loved yourself and you wanted to treat yourself right and that led into a divorce? Or did you first realize that you needed a divorce and then you grew back into loving yourself and accepting yourself? I think it was honestly parallel. Like I, mm-hmm. I never thought I would ever get divorced. I mean, I came from a family. My parents have been married for, I don't know, 30 odd years and nobody in my family is divorced. And I was raised in a Christian home and that wasn't something that was a positive, you know, was it, you know, I, I, I looked at divorce as one of those things where, you know, gosh, they just couldn't make it work. Or if the woman was the one who kind of stepped out and asked for a divorce then and had some sort of awakening then it was this woman was this crazy woman who you know discovered herself and started just deciding that she was more important and how selfish of her not to work in the marriage so I had a ton of judgments on divorce that I had to really come to peace with as I was going through my own divorce but I that wasn't an option on the table but I started to see how my behaviors were very clearly showing me without being willing to admit it at the time that you don't want to be married. And over and over again, it was like, okay, I, I want to be alone. I want to do things independently. I felt like every, at every moment I was grasping for my own sense of identity. And I felt like I could not be me inside of that marriage, where I was headed, what I wanted to do in the world. I, there was this deep knowing that he couldn't go with me on that path. So as I was finding myself, as I was getting back in touch with my body and doing yoga and meditation and all kinds of different alternative healing and and medicine, it was like, okay, this path is clearly taking me somewhere different. And it wasn't until I was on a trip to Peru, this was two years ago, and I was doing a sweat lodge it was really intense and we were I was with all these different women that I was leading on this this retreat and I had already felt this this urge that I needed to probably separate but I was so terrified my whole life we were in business together you know my family obviously loved him we were, we were, our, our whole lives were interconnected and so after that sweat lodge I was just bawling in the sweat lodge I walked out and I didn't know what the next step was, but I can remember telling a friend of mine who was on this trip, I said, I can't go home. I can't go home. And it ended up about two weeks later, he was over in Europe. I was in the States, went back to the States, didn't go home. And we ended up talking and it was, it was pretty much mutual. It was heartbreaking and horrible and hard. And over about two weeks, we finally decided, you know what, we just need to get divorced. Like neither one of us are willing to fight for this and neither one of us want this. And the kind thing, the compassionate thing, the loving thing to do is to to go our separate ways. And so we did that pretty amicably, thankfully. But yeah, it was it was definitely like side by side for sure. Mm-hmm. And this is so such a sensitive topic. This is not an easy thing. 
And so what I really like to make sure I say, to be very clear, is that like we've talked about divorce and marriage and relationships a lot on this podcast. And what I love about your story is that you're providing a beautiful example that there is no black and white. And even if you come from a Christian home that has the connotations that divorce is negative and that if a woman wants a divorce, then she must be being selfish or um, thinking too much about her needs and not about his. I understand that. I came from a pretty Christian home myself. And interestingly enough, most people in my family have been divorced. Mm. Most people. Um, I think maybe out of my 14 cousins and my 20, like, aunts and uncles, maybe a, a, a couple haven't been. And I'm not saying that's great either. I'm just saying that there's no black or white. And I yeah. think that your example here is a very beautiful example of two people realizing that there was a better life, a different life, and some relationships simply come to a close. They've served a purpose. And it sounds to me like what this relationship did for you was serve a huge purpose. It highlighted something in your life that wasn't right, that was out of alignment. And I think it's amazing that you went after this relationship and y'all gave it a shot and you grew from each other and you changed. And when people look at these types of things as failures, you miss out on a really beautiful opportunity to see what was good and to see the growth and the learning and the lesson and to release any shame that came along with ending something like this because there really is no reason to feel shame whenever, first of all, it's mutual, which is great, but also that nothing was bad about it. That's just the idea you choose to adopt if, if someone chooses to adopt that. But otherwise, it can be something that's very healing and very freeing and very releasing, and it's led you to where you are today. Exactly. And we decided as we were going through this process that this we were going to make this something that was healing and something that was good, that we were going to honor each other going through this process, and that we were incredibly grateful for our time together and incredibly grateful for the hardship and the challenge and the things that we learned as a byproduct of that. And, you know, as I've gotten out of that and as I've done a lot of work and healing around it, you know, I've realized more and more of the dysfunction that was present during our relationship. Sometimes you have to step outside of it to really begin to see all of the the ways which you knew intuitively, but when you step outside of it, you go, oh my God, wow. But never once did I blame him for that or did he blame me for that. It was this mutual understanding that, you know, who we decided to show up as ourselves, as individuals in that relationship wasn't healthy. It wasn't what, um, we, you know, we didn't bring the best out in each other, but we knew that it was an important relationship that I would not be the person that I am today without that marriage, without him, without the way that the ways that he loved me and showed up in that relationship and vice versa. And I think it's so powerful when you can transform a story and shift the narrative from being a victim to somebody who is fully responsible and empowered it's it's amazing when that happens because we could have gone through the same same divorce, same thing that happened, and there were all kinds of details that you know aren't worth getting into here. But we could have taken the same information and twisted it to be horrific, and I could have made him a horrible person, and he could have made me a horrible person, and it could have been nasty, and it could have been just mean and vindictive, and all of those different things. But I think in our 
in our wisdom, we were able to see beyond that and say, you know, we get to choose the narrative here. We get to choose how we define what is happening to us, the meaning that we give it, how we interpret it so that we come out as better people, as people who are stronger and more resilient and braver and more willing to choose life in a bigger, fuller, brighter way. And that was what that was about. And to honor the season, to honor our relationship, to thank one another, and then to say like, this has come to a close, just like you were saying, and to move on from an empowered place versus a place of, of um, being a victim. And that, I mean, obviously it takes a lot of awareness. It takes a lot of uh, conscious effort and intention to continually reframe in your mind what's happening because you know hello I mean our humanness it's like oh like it'd be so easy just to blame him for everything you know or for him to blame me for everything but but that ultimately doesn't give us what we want and it leaves you feeling just icky and gross and um so yeah so it was a very very intentional way of parting each other and I think that I was able to heal much quicker and to give myself permission to grieve more fully and I just feel like I learned so much through that that process and gained immense empathy for people who have been through divorce of any kind, whether it's healthy or horrific, um, just immense empathy because it is it is one of the hardest things that I think anybody could ever go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching my own family, watching my sister go through that, it was extremely difficult. And I think what, some people get confused as thinking that if you're if you're able to see how you can be grateful for relationship, you can't also feel pain, which is not mm. true. The pain can still exist and live alongside the gratitude. And you don't even have to force gratitude on yourself, you know, if you're not ready to be at that stage. I think that's really important too, is to allow the gratitude to come and to see how it happened for you, not to you, when the time is right and ease into that and and take control of the situation by not being a victim, but really seeing how this all happened. It's a part of the plan. And you can feel that pain at the same time. Absolutely. One of my one of my sayings is it's the shit with the champagne, you know, and I can remember so clearly when I got divorced, I felt so free. Like I was explaining to my mom, I was like, mom, I felt like I was drowning and I could not catch my breath. And when our divorce was finalized, it was like, finally, my head was able to truly pop above that water and I could breathe again. I mean, I wasn't drowning anymore. And so I'm in this moment where I had to get a new, um, a new house and we had lived in this house for 10 years and uh, I, I, I moved out, got a new house and I you know decorated the way that I wanted to and I got these beautiful plants and it was just like the vibe in my house was just amazing. I was just in love with this new space and I can remember a moment where uh, I was posting about this online and my sister said to me, um, you need to not be showing how happy you are like right after this divorce. Like that can't be true. You know, you, this is like so horrible and you need to be sensitive to the people in your life who are also grieving your separate separation from your ex-husband and all this kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, gosh, that's so interesting because yes, I'm equally happy. And then I could turn around and have a utter meltdown the next second. And so it's so just fascinating that as a human being, we can experience that range of emotion where we're elated one minute and devastated the next. And that was my existence for about a, you know, over a year was 
being sky high, feeling so free, feeling this, this new sense of independence and coming into my own and really being so grateful for being my true self and being willing to, to live a life that I was defining now by myself and also being so heartbroken, so full of grief, you know, literally a shit show, <laughs> like not able to get my stuff together and crying on my floor and crying on my bathroom floor and having to cancel events because I was so exhausted from the emotional wreckage that was going on inside of myself, but that those two emotions could exist next to each other and go back and forth in the span of, you know, an hour or uh, over and over again during, during one day. And that's just the human experience, I think. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just hits you when you really, really, really least expect it. It's like you're at in a yoga class, you're just walking down the hall after you get your mail in your apartment and it's just like, boom, like immense pain or immense joy. You're just like, wow, I feel so free. So let's focus and let's switch gears a little bit to that after part, because one of the things you had mentioned was feeling really disconnected with your body and how that transitioned over to intimacy. And I'm very familiar with this. You know that from my story of the fitness competitions and working out and pushing my body. And and ironically, the, the thinner I got, the less sexy I felt the Mm. I really 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 felt disconnected from that and for me whenever I started to truly embrace the softness of my life I I started to embrace the softness of my body and that helped me to just feel like this wild free woman and it was beautiful so for you how did you start to reconnect to your body and to grow into that sexy feeling where you just feel good in your skin because this is a long process it is a totally long process. And, you know, for me, it was opposite in the way that, you know, the more weight that I gained, the more disconnected I was from my body. Because for me, and this is not everybody's story, but for me, the weight that I was gaining was emotional protection. I did not want to feel sexy. That felt very threatening to me. And if I was going to stay inside of my marriage and, be committed to my husband. I needed to not be attractive to other people. I was terrified that I was going to cheat. And so for me, all of this weight started adding on. I gained about 80 pounds in my marriage and I wanted to make sure there was this barrier. And so that really led to incredible disconnection. So I had a friend of mine who was talking about going and working out or going to the gym or going and exercising. And when you're overweight and when you're doing everything you possibly can to stuff your feelings and, and disconnect from that, that word exercise is so triggering because immediately when you hear the word exercise, you think I'm a failure. Like I've already failed. You, you know, I'm not exercising, you know, I'm not into this. Maybe you're feeling pity over me. And so you're talking about exercise. And now I feel this obligation because we have all this fat phobia in our culture. Now I feel the obligation to move my body to make you feel better about my body, you know? (laughs) And, and so I was so triggered and I knew that moving my body was important, but this concept of exercise, this concept of going in the gym, I, I just couldn't do, like I avoided it for so long. And I had another friend who was kind of in a similar situation as me. And she started to go to a water aerobics class at our local community center. And it it was so great because 
it was literally the geriatric class. So I'm telling you that people were 70 years old and plus, which was totally right up my alley. (laughs) And I went with her for a few times. And that was an introduction back to feeling my body in a way that wasn't on display for other people to judge, that wasn't, um, you know, at a place where I had to have the right clothing or people were looking at me. It was literally in this community center. I was the youngest person there. Nobody cared about what your bodies looked like. Everybody was there just to move. And I realized in that moment that I love to move my body. I've always been an active person. I love to move my body, but I had become so disconnected from it and so shamed from the state of my body with the weight gain that I had been avoiding it. So I thought, okay, this is a way to enter back into that. And very quickly after that, I had a a friend of mine who was a yoga instructor and she invited me to go to a yoga class. And I mean, the stereotypical view of yoga women, you know, is like tall ballerina body, blonde, and could move like a pretzel. And I'm like, okay, I'm literally the furthest thing from this. If I go into child's pose, I'm going to suffocate myself with my boobs. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is not, this is not my thing. But I love this friend. I trusted her. And I thought, okay, well, hell, I'll give it one more chance and, and go over there. So I went to my first yoga class. And thankfully, the type of yoga that I did, which was kundalini yoga, you keep your eyes closed during the entire um, session. And that was so life-giving to me because for the first time I could connect with my body and feel my breath in a way where I knew it wasn't up for comparison. I wasn't looking at anybody else in the room. Nobody was looking at me. It was just my own personal experience. And that led me down a path. I ended up two weeks later signing up to become a yoga teacher, a plus-size yoga teacher, and went through yoga teacher training and became a kundalini yoga instructor, the heaviest weight that I had ever been. And through that process of yoga, I started engaging with my body from a place of movement, not to punish it or to pay penance for what I had eaten that day, but from a real partnership with my body and to stop rebelling against, you know, exercise and this whole diet culture, but really say, okay, what would it look like to move my body for pleasure, for endurance, for strength, no matter what my size is. And that really brought me back home to my body and allowed me to reconnect with moving it in a, in a completely new way. Did you ever find yourself falling back into those ways of thinking as you got into a movement routine? Yeah. I mean, I think that with anything, when you have grown up with the understanding that, you know, you have to work out to lose weight and you have to, you know, pay penance and work out after you've eaten dessert the night before. And, you know, all those just sort of cultural norms that maybe we aren't even aware of. I know you talk a lot about this. Um, it's easy to slip back into that. And there were times where I thought, oh God, I got to get back into the gym. And if I'm not in the gym or if I'm not exerting myself 100%, it's not even worth it. So I'm not going to show up. I had to really wrestle with some of that and then keep coming back to this idea of movement. I'm just here to move my body. How do how does my body want to move today? Because today it might be a 10 minute walk. Tomorrow it might be getting in the gym and punching a, um, 
you know, a bag. The next day it might be doing gentle yoga. The next day it might be just sitting and lying down and, you know, doing a body, a body scan and saying, what are the sensations that are coming up in my body? And I had to learn to give myself permission that it wasn't about performance, but that it was truly about simply honoring what my body needed for, for that day. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think when you start to feel that very specific emotion of like deliciousness, when you do something that actually feels really good in your body, you start to naturally fade away those thoughts of punishment, of the desire mm-hmm. for punishment. It's like you just don't want that anymore. Like you start to truly feel how good it is to enjoy movement. And the idea of exercise being a form of punishment or self-abuse is getting more and more foreign to me. The the longer, like the more time that goes on of me just be, making the conscious decision to do something that I love. So like I know that I'm not a big fan of high intensity, crazy CrossFit type stuff. I did that for a period of time and it served a beautiful purpose. But when I got to a point of like, hey, you know, I don't really like them calling out my name and saying, Madeline, you're not doing that full on hard enough. Or if I had blisters and bruises on my hands that were bloody, they would say that's not a big deal. Like I just got to a point where I didn't like that anymore and it didn't feel like home and it didn't feel healthy and I was... I made this conscious effort and choice to say, I'm going to step away and go do something that feels really good in my body. You have to consistently show up in that way for yourself. And what I often say is protecting your sacred energy. So I'm Mm. sure there's things you had to do to really ensure that you protected that new direction because you could have made the choice at any moment to say, uh, forget this Kundalini feel good stuff. I'm going to go push myself in the gym or I'm going to go do this hardcore thing that makes me feel like I can go harder and lose weight and all this. But when you start to pay more attention to the voice that says, no, 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 let's not go there. You know what that leads to. You know that doesn't feel good in the long run. And there's a very big difference between what feels good in the short term and what's healthy, right? Right. You can go do something that you know is going to give you this instant dopamine rush of, yes, I got in the the gym, I controlled something, I'm controlling this aspect of my life when everything else is out of control. That may feel good for a moment, but it's not what's healthy. And so when you found something, Mary, that felt good and healthy and like delicious, and you protected that path by saying no, deeper the no, deeper the yes, Like you Mm. said no deeply to what was not working for you in your life so that you could say yes deeply to this new path. And I find that so admirable and I love that you did that. And I, I want other people to have hope that it is possible and that one of those keys is protecting that space, protecting that path. Absolutely. And realizing that your journey, your body movement journey is going to be unique to you. And you cannot compare that to anyone else's journey, which is hard. I think sometimes, especially if you're in a class environment where it's natural to, you know, compare your performance to somebody else's, it's, it's so tempting to do that. And I know for me, I I started finally after doing a lot of yoga, after doing water aerobics, I, I finally had the courage to kind of step back into the gym. And I went and met with a personal trainer who was just so amazing. And I just am so grateful for him and, and the way in which we partnered together. Because I one of the things that I wanted is I wanted to feel strong. I really wanted to feel like I could keep up with my life and I love to travel. So I wanted to feel like I could 
walk around any country and not get exhausted or pick up, you know, my 50 pound suitcase and lift it, you know, on top of a, um, a thing on a train, you know, all those, all those life things. I wanted to feel like, okay, I'm strong enough to keep up with life. And so we started working out together and, and a lot of our workouts were me crying and dealing with a lot of the fear, a lot of the old shame that was coming up, a lot of the self-hatred that was coming up and re shifting or shifting the language back to, affirmations of loving my body and speaking life into my body out loud while I was working out, which was so powerful. And I got to the point where with what I was doing with work and not knowing at this point, healthy boundaries and all that, where I basically got myself at a place where I had horrible adrenal fatigue. And so I remember meeting with my trainer at coffee one day and I said, listen, I've been doing a lot of research on adrenal fatigue and exercise is like one of the worst things that you can do um, when you're trying to heal from adrenal fatigue. And I literally can't come back into the gym. I'm not sure how long this is going to take, but I feel horrible. I feel like I failed you. I feel like we've been partnering together and here I am, you know, and abandoning this, this journey. And he was so precious and he was like, you have to honor your body. It isn't about proving anything to me or proving anything to anybody else, but your body is clearly telling you, you have to rest. And he's like, sure. I mean, I could tell you, yeah, well, working out is the best thing that you could do for your body and getting in the gym is going to help heal you. He was like, but obviously your intuition is telling you that you need more rest. You need to do this. So for about a year, I went back and simply did yoga, really gentle, gentle, restorative yoga and didn't enter into a gym. And that was hard. It was hard for my pride and for my ego and for everything that I had been working for. But that was what my body needed. And it was able to to rest and to heal and to come back into that that balance. And if I, if my motivation was only to lose weight or to feel sexier or to fit inside of a bathing suit or any of those external uh, results, I probably wouldn't have honored my body and, and just done the yoga. I would have, you know, tried to push myself harder and harder in the gym. And, and that to me is when you disconnect, when you're doing when you're moving your body from a place of trying to get an external result, you disconnect from the connection to your body. And when you can really enter into that intuitive connection with your body, identify what makes you feel good, what forms of movement do you love that you enjoy that bring you pleasure that satisfy you, that's when everything clicks. I mean, that to me is like the sweet spot where your body comes back into balance and you are finally a team. You finally have partnered with your body and it just feels good. It just feels good ultimately. It feels good, totally. And it's not to say that you'll never be able to have any type of aesthetic goals again. I mean, I like I thought for the longest time in my life I would never be able to say, well, I wanna be able to get stronger arms or whatever it may be and, and actually wanna see results. I never, ever thought I would ever be able to do that in a healthy way. And over this past year, I've had actual physical goals of like things that I want to see happen in my body and be able to see it. And it's a very healthy, unattached way. If it mm -hmm. happens, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too, because I'm doing these things because I love them. So that's another thing that I would, I would like to mention is that it's okay if you ever do want to have actually see results in your body from working out in a particular way. But the goal is only to approach that when you are absolutely sure you are ready and unattached. And you'll know yeah. it when you're there. If you're doing it 
and you're sneaking it in and you have all these mixed emotions and you feel guilty and you don't go to the gym and you feel bad and you wonder if that ruined your chances of having this aesthetic goal come true like that you need you need more time you know or you might just be best benefited by slowing down and asking yourself why are you why is your brain going in that direction yes and i like to think of it as moving from punishment to celebration like what is my body capable of doing? Like that is where I'm at right now with what I do, my routine of moving my body. I get excited about thinking what my body is capable of. Like I think this body that I have, and obviously it's taken me a long time to get here, is so amazing. And I know that it is capable of being strong. It's capable of feeling incredible amounts of endurance and energy. And so now like my external result that I want is like, let's see how good it can get. Like, let's see what this body mm -hmm. is capable of, but it's out of a place of, um, an abundance of love for my body versus trying to earn love for my body. So it's like out of love versus earning love or moving from punishment to the celebration of what my body can do. And that's a really cool, healthy place. And that is, one of those approaches that any body type, any size, any shape can do. Like, what is my body capable of doing? Whether I'm a size zero or a size 26, it doesn't matter. What is my body capable of doing? And celebrating it for the magnificence that it is, it's like this body is incredible. Like it breathes on its own. I can walk around and I can lift things and I can run and I can do sprints and I can flip a tire if I want to. It's just like out of the place of love of, of being so mm -hmm. grateful for my body. That's when it feels life giving versus like, Oh my God, I skipped this day. I'm not going to be able to fit inside of my pants. And what does that mean about yeah. me? And, and I'm not lovable. And unless I can do X, Y, Z. So coming out of love versus trying to earn love with how we yeah. move our bodies. Yeah, it's coming from a place of strength, not a place of weakness. Mm, That's one yes. of the ways I like to think of it as well. It's like you have this baseline. I use baseline, like the idea of a baseline in my brain for like everything. So you have like this baseline of like standard, doing okay, doing well, like you're just maintaining whatever it may be in your life but thinking of it in terms of fitness or movement or self-love and that kind of aspect you have this baseline if you're below the baseline it's like Ugh, I need to work really hard and move my body to get higher up up and that's coming from the place of weakness but you're if you're already on this baseline and you're maintaining this healthy appreciation and love for your body and what it can do and then where you are Mary it's like you're you're above the baseline you're just going up and up and up because you're like what can I do how can I move like this is exciting and amazing and awesome and it's like you're shooting up instead of just trying to struggle to get to this baseline level and that's right. what I, I love that idea is just it's coming from this place of strength and self love and celebration so do you have a few ways or simple tips for people who are getting started with this on how they can reconnect to moving their body yeah absolutely so for me, I think the number one way is you have to understand your motivation. You know, what's been your motivation for working out or what do you think the purpose is? You know, these end up being, to me, the sticking points that make it miserable or keep you from working out or keep you from moving your body. You know, is it to lose weight? You know, you only, you only exercise when you're dieting. You know, is it to lose weight? Is it to punish yourself for what you ate? Is it to be sexier? Is it to feel better getting in, in a bathing suit? You know, eventually when you're moving your body just for those reasons, 
you're going to rebel because it's that diet mentality thinking. You know, if you don't enjoy moving, you are using a motivation that isn't truly serving you. I mean, the point is to thrive and to connect to your body. And if you're stuck in feeling guilty for not working out, then it's going to shut you down. And so moving your body is is a lifestyle. You know, exercise should rejuvenate you rather than exhaust you. It should create that that connection with your mind, with your body and help to alleviate stress and be pleasurable and, and enjoyable. So kind of the first way is going, okay, what's my motivation for moving my body? Am I doing it to earn love or attention or whatever it is or am I doing it out of that celebration for my body? So understanding your motivation I think is key. And then the second way, this is we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but is identifying your preference. Like what forms of exercise do you enjoy? You know, get to know your preferences. Do you enjoy exercising alone? Or maybe like some people love to work out in classes, or maybe you love to hike and you love to get outside and you love the outdoors, or maybe you're somebody who doesn't like the outdoors and you're like, okay, I just want to be inside. I like the atmosphere of a gym. You know, make it fun. Get get some diversity in what you're doing. And for me, one of those big pieces of finding my preference was that I had to stay out of that thinking of if I'm not sweating, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is connecting with your body. So we have to, again, kind of separate exercise from weight loss or a result. And one of the questions I ask my my coaching clients, I'll say, if you did it simply for the love of moving, what would feel amazing? And that's how you can begin to identify your preference. If you just did it because you loved it, what would feel amazing? And that kind of brings you back into that connection with your with your body. And then kind of the third way that I think is imperative in reconnecting with your body is listening to your body. So asking yourself every day, what would feel good today? And we kind of mentioned non-attachment a little bit. So you're not attached to having to get in the gym certain amount of time every day or a certain amount of times during the week, but honoring when your body needs to rest, listening to your body cues. Does my body feel like moving today? You know, what feels fun? Um, like right now for me, I love boxing. Like I just, there's just this angst in me, I guess. I just love it. <laughs> but y'all, I got to tell you, I hate biking. I hate it. My boyfriend keeps trying to get me to get a bike and I'm like, I'm just really not into it. So I have to listen to what feels fun, what feels enjoyable and how does it feel in the moment? What gives you energy? Does it stress you out during? Does it stress you out afterwards? How's your energy level? How's your mood? Kind of taking an assessment of listening to your body um, in that process of reconnecting to it. And then last way, and I love this, is creating a compelling why. So we have to know personally why it's worth it for us. And when you have only exercised, and this was my experience, when you've only exercised to lose weight or when it's been for punishment, you have to decide in a new way why it matters to you now so that you can begin to connect to your body now. And we've obviously all heard the the statistics, the benefits of what working out does for you. You know, you mentioned you know, the, the high that it gives you, the endorphin rush, all those different things. But why move your body for you? Not what science says or what the media says, you know, what, what's in it for you? So maybe it's some time for yourself. Maybe it's, 
giving you a feeling of freedom. Maybe it helps with your anxiety. Maybe it gives you a sense of wholeness that you're more than just your brain, that you actually have a body as well. Maybe it's just to get outside and connect with nature. Um, it could be to connect with people and be in a social environment with other people. Maybe it's to help you take your focus away from how your body looks and feel more um, connected with how it actually functions. And so I know for me, the reason I move my body, and this is unique to every person, is that it gives me more energy. My head feels clear. Um, I can step into my day with momentum. I know that it helps me process buried stored emotions and kind of gives me um an energetic pulse on what's happening inside of my body it helps me sleep better it helps me connect to the physical body um itself and the sensations and so it gives me that sense of grounding so creating a compelling why for you personally as to why you want to move move your body those are kind of what i would say are my four ways to to reconnecting to moving your body those are four beautiful tips and I, I resonate with all of them, especially the last one. I really love that. I was thinking as you were talking about my why and I think I have a, I don't think I know I have a different why for each thing I do. It's like when I do, when I feel called to do yoga, I'm really moving emotions out of me. That's mm. typically what it is. Sometimes I do it just because I need to center my mind. But a lot of times it's like I it's a, such a healthy way for me to express something I'm feeling. And generally speaking, lately, it's been moving out some angst and some frustration. And I bet kickboxing or boxing would be great for that as well. But like I really feel such a powerful release in yoga Recently, I've been crying a lot in yoga. It's been really healthy. But then when I go to acro yoga, it's because I want to touch and play and communicate with another body because it's partner mm. yoga. So I feel really intimate with people when I do that because we are holding each other up. And I go because I love I love the challenge of holding another body or trusting someone else to hold me, but I really love the intimacy that comes along with it because that's not in my nature. And it's been really cool for me to get out of my comfort zone and do that. But then I do Pilates because I love how strong it makes me and it's very challenging and I love to, to push myself in a healthy way, not in a fear way or not enough way, but it's a healthy push where I'm excited to reach new levels and feel myself grow. So I love, I love all of those, especially the last one, like you said. Um, I know we're running up here on time, so I, I do have a quick fire round for you. But before Great. we go there, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, so they can go to maryhyatt.com forward slash MBM, so Mind Body Musings. <laughs> so maryhyatt.com forward slash MBM. And I do a Facebook Live show every Wednesday over on my Facebook page at 1 o'clock Central, which is facebook.com forward slash Mary Grace Hyatt. Yes, and I was on it. So everyone you were. to it. <laughs> it so fun. I loved it. Okay, quick fire round time. You know how it goes. Just whatever pops in your mind first. Perfect. What's a book that's changed your life? Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, hands down. Where would you live for a year? Peru. If you had one food you could eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, nachos, baby. <laughs> Ooh, unique. I like that. Um, well, we kind of covered this, but what's your favorite way to move your body? Right now, it is kickboxing. 
if you had a spirit animal or an animal that you feel resonates with your soul, which one would it be and why? Ooh, I'm going to say a lion just for that pure strength, but also just the majestic beauty. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite self-care tool right now? One thing that I do is I get ready naked in the mornings so that I see my body, that I connect with my body, and that I can out loud share words of love and acceptance by visibly seeing my body as it is today. What's your favorite way to manifest in life? Mm, I would say focusing on what I want and giving it energy through my breath, so visualizing something and really breathing into that vision and amplifying it in color and sound and smell and all those different things. Last question, when do you feel the most connected to the divine? Mm. (sighs) For me, honestly, it's when I'm in Peru, when I can be in that energy and meditate in sacred spaces. That to me is like just a profound, profound way. And more than that, probably just getting quiet and meditating. Okay, you have sold me on Peru. I'm like, I'm ready to go look at flights. This girl loves Peru. I need Uh, to figure out the big deal. If Peru were an animal, it'd be my spirit animal. (laughs) If Peru was a food, you would eat nothing but Peru. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, just go to Peru. It'll change your life, hands down. That's exciting. I'm excited. I never really even thought about going there, but now I'm like, okay, this sounds magical. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was amazing. You have so much beautiful insight and I know my audience is going to absolutely adore and resonate with you. And I hope everyone checks out everything that you have available on your sweet, sweet online space. Thank you. This was so amazing. I'm just so grateful to have been on the show and it was fabulous. Thanks. You are so welcome. Everyone, the show notes that she mentioned will be on I'm sorry, the social links that she mentioned will be on the show notes for this episode. And this is number 170. So you can go over to maddiemoon.com slash Mary Hyatt and you will get all of those links. And while you're there, if you have not downloaded the four pillars of femininity for perfectionists, you can get that on my website. And I will see you guys very soon. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.